If you were born between 1969 and 1984, you are a part of the 65 million Gen Xers. And you've just found your new family. Welcome to the Carolina Underground. Gen X perspectives on rapidly changing technology, history, media, politics, how they come together and influence every aspect of daily life. The world we were raised in has ceased to exist, but we haven't. Let's do it. Welcome to the Carolina Underground. Now your hosts, Mark and Mike. Yo, 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 we're back again, printing stuff out of milk on the 3D <laughs> printer. <laughs> How you doing this morning, sir? I am doing grand, my friend. I hope you are well. It's always good to talk to you again. Outstanding. Well, I'm glad somebody feels that way. <laughs> <laughs> so what is new in the world, sir? Well... I'm not real sure. <laughs> Everything <laughs> seems to be topsy-turvy. Well, that hasn't really changed much. I mean, it's just been that way for a little bit of time. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, to me, it's kind of hard to get, not get bogged down in it. But, you know, it, it, what I've been thinking lately is unless, until we decide that we're going to do something about it, getting bogged down in it isn't doing anything except raising my blood pressure that's exactly right i will agree with that i turned most of the stuff for the news and things off because i got tired of having to buy tvs because i got done kicking them in i can understand that feeling i know there i I read today i think they're closer to a agreement on the debt ceiling uh impasse and mm -hmm. so we may not uh default which is you know i'm kind of 50 50 on that uh, I know default would be bad, but is the government in the current form worth continuing to keep running? Because it seemed like when they shut down the last time, most of the people that got laid off and didn't work, we kept running right along without them. So what was the point of really bringing them back? Well, that's kind of the point. I, I was actually having a discussion along those same lines just today. Now, the again, what we've got is... If you look back at what Machiavelli said, and I'm not going to go down my usual diatribe about Machiavelli, but if you look at what he said about power corrupts and absolute power corrupts, absolutely, and we'll just stick with that. So our founding fathers had read Hobbes and Locke, and they understood Mm -hmm. this. And that was why they they put the Tenth Amendment in there, because the states are each a sovereign entity. Correct. And the federal government ain't got no business in health care. It ain't got no business in education. It ain't got no bit. The, the, the purpose of the federal government is to maintain the infrastructure, the intrastate infrastructure. Okay, mm-hmm. So the roads between the state that settle disputes between the state basically be a referee. But all the rest of this stuff and maintain you know the common defense right but you know like the you know the state i live in is not the state of south carolina it is the sovereign state of south carolina mm-hmm. and, and i think you, you know that. you and i have discussed that many a times like the founding fathers absolutely 
even in the 1800s, would not have mm-hmm. considered themselves an American because what we think of mm-hmm. as an American it didn't exist. Right, exactly. So, I mean, the point being that, you know, the way to, the way to fix this very simply would be for each, you know, for the, for each individual state. Now, of course, you're not going to get New York. You're not going to get California, you know, Oregon and some of those places. But the rest of them ought to just go, you know what? We're not going to play anymore. Okay. You, you know, we're just going to handle our own stuff. Mm-hmm. And all of those sweet little federal tax dollars that you take out of their income, guess what? Our citizens don't have to pay it because until you get your ducks in a row, and get your, you know, and rein yourself in and start behaving appropriately, we're not going to support this madness anymore. Right. And, you know, again, the it's whole kind of how what we were talking about uh, yesterday or the last, last episode where if Congress really wanted to fix the FBI and DOJ and have them come to heel with subpoenas and stuff, mm-hmm. cut off the money until the pig started squealing. And then it'll, no, when that tit gets popped out and dries up, it'll squeal till something else or make adjustments to put the tit mm-hmm. back in. Oh, absolutely. And that's the whole point. I mean, again, all of this stuff go, is it boils down to money and power. And I mean, again, at the end of the day, money is portable power. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you, you can't eat it. Okay. I mean, what you can do is you can show it to somebody else. And if they agree, it has value. Cause I mean, think about it. Dollar bills, what it's a piece of paper. And the only thing that makes that paper worth anything is the fact that we agree that that represents X number of dollars. Okay. Right now. Now it's a little bit different with coinage. I well, mean, now let, 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 wait a minute. let's say something, you know, I, we can't, you and I grew up in the generation to where, Save for a rainy day. Save yeah, absolutely. Money. But you know, I, you know, you think about this. I was listening to a gentleman. I don't remember exactly where it was at. I may have come across him on Apple News or Apple News Plus. But he's an investor, and he 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 asked the question, "Why would you save money?" He said, "You're going to save a dollar." And he said, "This is the example he used." You save a dollar. Mm-hmm. Let's say you save that dollar and you want to spend it 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. If you look at history, the buying power of a dollar does nothing but decrease. So you are crazy right. to save a dollar today that's going to be worth less the next day. Well, right. And that's the time value of money. Absolutely. But that time value of money is based on the system that we currently have in place. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, again, back in pre, you know, uh, pre our industrialized civilization, and really a lot of this stuff started with Henry Ford. Okay, and the, and the uh, was the Model A. Okay, yep. so any color when, you want, as long as it's black, baby. Right, and if you took the the point was they took the and well, actually, it started previously to that in the um, Chicago um, butcher shops where they invented the assembly line. Okay, so I mean, a butcher again, a, a butcher, a good butcher can you know they know how to absolutely they can take every useful part of any animal. Mm-hmm and render it into being, you know, so that you're not wasting 
anything. You don't waste the bones. You don't waste the cartilage. You don't waste the tongue. You don't right. waste the intestine. None of it. Waste okay. not, won't not, baby. But a butcher, and I mean, again, that was a high dollar, high value trade because, again, you don't, you know, you don't, when you're, when you're farming for yourself and, and hunting for yourself, you don't, you, you, that you want to be in that waste, not, want not. But what happened was, so they took the, uh, they put the assembly line concept in place to manufacture these cars, and they were able to drastically lower wages because instead of having to learn, the equivalency was instead of having to learn to be a butcher, which took years of mm -hmm. expertise to learn how to, to, to handle these different things, the same thing in the assembly line. All you had to learn was to how to cut off a leg or in the case of the, the, the assembly line, put a tire on an axle, okay? Right, and okay. somebody else was going to put the axle under the frame, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you could drastically drive down the wages of the individual tradesmen and drastically increase your profit, okay? Now, so that was really kind of what we got now and then they uh then of course they came up they they came up, up against the fact that since they had driven the wages down so drastically people couldn't afford to buy their cars okay mm -hmm. and so there was a huge marketing and advertising campaign that was put forth to convince people that saving for a rainy day and the waste not want not philosophy well, that was the way that your parents and your grandparents thought, and modern people don't think that way, okay? And that's what led us down the primrose path to where we are today. So they created revolving consumer credit at that point, and through a massive marketing campaign, uh, advertising campaign, whatever you want to call it, convinced the, 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 the American populace that this was the way they needed to live their lives. And we all swallowed it hook, line, and sinker and got sucked into this whole uh, inflationary scale. Now, back to the whole thing about the Tenth Amendment and, as you said, cutting, you know, cutting, cutting off the, uh, the, the taxpayer teat from the, mm -hmm. from the government south. Right. Prior to income tax, and, and I'm sorry, but the income tax that we face is, is oppressive. Prior to that, we had roads, we had fire departments, we had police departments, mm -hmm. we had schools. Yeah, everything was we done had, locally. Right. We had doctors. We had lawyers. We had Indian chiefs. We had all the stuff going on without feeding a bloated federal government. Now, again, during... The World War One, World War Two, Spanish American War, all of these things that happened, we did have to band together. We did have to fund the military in order for the military to uh, to exist. Okay, and so there is truth in that. But we don't need to have the military that we've got, and we don't need to be practicing colonization outside of the United States until we've got all of our veterans, our homeless veterans all have homes, our mentally ill are being treated for their mental illness, mm -hmm. and such as that. I mean, again, and the fact that we've got these companies like BlackRock, and, um, well, I, some of them, they're slipping my mind, but, you know, again, the, the, these multi-billionaire globalists, globalists out there that control the purse strings of the whole world, okay? Right they got to go. 
<laughs> but we got to, you know, the only way we're going to do that is if we stop fighting with each other and start taking care of business as far as they're concerned. And the only way we're going to be able to do that is locally. And I think we've said this before, and I'm sorry for the diatribe, but it, it's just the, the, the whole hypocrisy of the matter is, is just, I, I, I can't stomach it anymore. Well, and it, it gets to the point to where, you know, we continually hear, we're, we're here to do this, we're here to make things better. Well, they all have been in office sufficiently enough time there. All of them up there. They're, and if there's some freshman or something that this is their first term, you know what? This probably ain't directed to them. But I would say the majority of the people that are sitting in both chambers in the House and the Congress and then the White House have made nothing but a lifetime career mm-hmm. out of being in Washington, D.C. And those are the people that are nothing but grifters. And right. it's like a damn tick living off a dog is exactly no, what it is. is correct. You are 100% correct. And again, the, the, the problem is that you know the 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 people that are proud you know where you know wear the democrat d on their chest like it's a uh, like it's a you know superman you know superman's s they're they you know if you if you can't open your eyes and recognize the hypocrisy of what they're um, the of what they're shoving down your throat uh-huh. okay i mean again they're telling you what what they're saying is not what they're doing Okay. Oh, right. It's it's, it's look, the opposite. It, watch my wiggling fingers over here while I stab you in the back with my other hand. Right. So a vote for a vote for the Democrats, at least at the federal level. Now I'm not talking about the state and local level because I don't know every state and local level. Right. Right. But at the federal level, a vote for the um, Democrats is a vote for infanticide. It's a vote for perversion. It's a vote for human trafficking. It's a vote. For high taxes, high inflation, impoverishing the American citizenry, you know, and I can go on down the list. So, so the the nut there is a vote for the Democrats is a vote for pure evil, okay. Mm. Not to mention anti-Christianity, okay. But a vote for the Republicans is a vote for inaction, right? A right. vote for absolutely nothing to happen. And so, you know, what are you going to do? And the answer is, you got to take the power away from the federal government and put it back in the hands where it belongs. But I mean, again, that was one of the things. You know, I was watching uh, a, an excerpt from the uh, from from the hearings about the Durham report, where they're talking mm-hmm. to the FBI, uh, one of the higher ups in the FBI, and I forgot what her name was or anything like that. I should have looked it up. But they're asking her, "Well, have you read the Durham report?" "Nope, I haven't." "Can you name anybody?" in management of the FBI that has read the Durham report. Well, I'm sure somebody has. Can you name one? Right. Okay. Don't you think that a report that shows significant malfeasance from the leadership of this organization should be sufficiently important for somebody to read it? and take some actions to straighten it out. But again, it doesn't matter because it's not about the citizenry. It's not about the United States. It's all about the collection of power and and money money for a small group of people who happen to live inside the beltway. All right. So 
let's try. I'm gonna we're gonna I'm gonna switch yep. gears here a minute. Please do. Yes. All right. Let's picture it. You and I, if you were like me, this you watched this movie when you were in school. Okay. It was a defining movie. Mm-hmm. It came out in 1968. It was Romeo and Juliet. Okay. Yes. All right. You know, recently, Capulets. right? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, recently the two child actors that played Romeo and Juliet uh, brought a lawsuit saying that their sex scene was tantamount to child pornography and was suing for being sexually abused and all of this because the um, Olivia Hussey, who played. Juliet was 15 at the time, and Leonard Whiting, who was Romeo, I think, was 16. Mm-hmm. And, then, you know, they had the nude scene when they were copulating in the movie mm-hmm. and all that. Well, the judge just tossed that lawsuit out and just said, you know what? Nope, it's not going to happen. But, you know, you find it amazing that these people, this, this was filmed in 1968. Uh-huh. These people are now 72 years old. Uh-huh. If they felt this way, why did it take till now? So, see, this is the whole thing that gets me. It's that lady, like the lady that says that Donald Trump raped her in the middle of Saxton right. Avenue. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Telling right. your best friend that can't, so it can't really be corroborated because, you know, wink, wink, if you go on trial for murder, yep, you told me he threatened your life. I remember him telling me that 15 times before he killed him. Right. There is no way to corroborate or prove that you actually told me that before you went out and shot somebody. Oh, that's absolutely true, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and then you're going to allow this woman come in and say, yep, my best friend told me that. Well, first off, she's biased because that chick is her best friend. Right. Well, and then you got these people who are actors. Hello, that should be your first key Mm -hmm. they're actors and actresses and from what i've seen their careers ain't going nowhere because i had to look up who they were because i didn't know who they were right Mm -hmm. so and it just looks like an attention grab either that or they're broke and want money well and it's again there's there's there is a significant amount of that but again all you know the, the herein lies the problem the levels of political motivation and everything Okay, because you you again, it's one of those where like the uh, the whole attempt to uh, derail Judge Kavanaugh. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, it wasn't they, even Judge Kavanaugh. It was far back. It started with Clarence Thomas well, when yeah, Al Sharpton brought Thomas. that uh, yep. woman that mm-hmm. made up the stuff and sat there before Congress and just told bold faced lies. But yet, right. and he right. owes four and a half million dollars back taxes. But yet, he doesn't ever seem to have to go to the penitentiary. No, absolutely. And therein is the thing. So it's a it's a completely hypocritical stance, and I think that's the thing we keep saying is that if you know we we need to be a nation ruled by laws because again so the the and this is one you know essentially government you know there's there's two extremes of government one of them is chaos and anarchy, and the other is tyranny. Okay, and so the idea of government is to well, it's essentially what you need is just enough government and just enough laws mm-hmm. to prevent total anarchy. Okay, and I mean, it, back in biblical times, in the good book, they had ten, and that was plenty. 
Now, by the time... Well, that's uh, because those 10 covered pretty much everything. Right. Everything everything else, I mean, that's just the basic rules of how not to be... A not, How not to be a jerk. Yeah. Now, so by the time that, um, that Christ was born, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, and whatnot had upped those 10 laws to over 600. Okay. And again, you have, this is, this is the problem. When we write a law to deal with a specific occurrence, that law needs to be reevaluated frequently because times change. I mean, again, one of uh, the, you know, uh, there's a a town that, that, that my family originally hails from uh, called Landis, North Carolina. And I happen to know for a fact that it is a felony charge to bring your cow into downtown Landis before 10 a.m. if it has not been milked. And reason is... Well, the cows get ornery if they ain't been built. They, it might cause a ruckus. That's exactly right. But let me... I mean, everybody knows that. Happening? Everybody yeah. knows that. I milk my cow for a take her to the Piggly Wiggly. There you go. But again... How often do you think that's a problem anymore? Now, imagine it was a problem back in the day. Well, okay. it depends, because if you was in Mayberry, Otis might have been riding that cow. It very well could have been riding that cow, but I do believe Otis milked his cow before he rode it. Well, I hope it wasn't a bull. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> well, you know, I've never known a transgender cow. I've never heard of it. So well, you know, that's, that's, that's inter- it's interesting how it is est in our species. Right, exactly, hmm. exactly. Speaking, hate, of, you know, speaking of the transgender stuff. Well, let's, let's call it transvestite trans, because there trans, is a, no such thing as a okay, trans- transvestitism. Or mm-hmm. I, yeah. as, as my formal training in what I call it mental illness, mm-hmm. there right. was an article out today that gave a dollar amount that has cost uh, pretty much Anheuser-Busch and Target for their... Uh, for the backlash concerning their stances on, you know, of course, obviously the Bud Light one and, you know, Target with their men that want to be women's bathing suits that they can tuck their wee-wees under something. I'm not exactly sure how that works, and I'm not exactly sure I want to know how that works. I really don't want to know. Well, yeah, but they the dollar amount that they have lost collectively so far mm-hmm. is $28 billion. Well, that's a good start. Now, so again, this is one of the things I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a story that I also read just. All right, now wait a minute, wait a minute. I I, I got to say this. Finish up. Yep. Well, no, I'm finished. I just want to point out. I have been accused of telling stories that do not have points. So if you're going to tell a story, make sure it has a point, or one of our friends will be madly disappointed and run you down incessantly without having a point. Well, that's fair enough, and uh, you know I look forward to the challenge. But so there was a behavioral sciences experiment that was done relatively recently. Uh-huh. Okay, and what they did was they took women and they would have a makeup artist put scars on their face so that they appeared to be disfigured. Okay. okay. Then they would send them into a job interview, and the purpose of that job interview was to determine if there was any bias or discrimination towards okay. people that were 
not, you know, that were disfigured. I mean, and again, we all know this. You know, the the beautiful people get more opportunities than than ugly scrubs like me. Okay. Now, so the thing is, the, so, so now wait a minute. So you're saying, let me make sure I'm getting this straight. Mm-hmm. You're mad because I'm good looking and got a better deal than you did. <laughs> well, there you go. So the point being that they the 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 actual subjects of the experiment. Now, as I understand it, or the impression I got from from the article, which didn't, I don't recall it actually pointing this out. The interviewers were a control group. They had no idea that this was going oh, okay, on. Okay. Okay. The experiment was actually about the women. Now, so what they would do is right before, as they walked them up to the front door, when they got to a point where they couldn't, there wasn't anywhere for them to check their makeup or anything like that, the makeup artist was with them and went, oh, wait a minute, I'm sorry, I've got to just touch this up, Mm -hmm. and then would remove the makeup scarring completely from the woman. Now, she would, and 100% of them, when they went in, to the interview, they interviewed them afterwards and said, "What happened?" And they all listed, "Oh, there were these microaggressions, and there was this hostility, and I was mistreated, or I was taught." They said this, and they said that, and it was just really humiliating, and it was terrible. Mm-hmm. Now, so the point of the 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 whole point of it was not to bash women. Okay, it was to the that that the victim mentality. Is, that is preached 24/7, 365 by the media and the, and the federal and the federal government um, is very damaging to the human psyche because again, it's one of those things. If you are looking for a problem, guess what you're going to find? You're going to find one exactly. So, and that is really what I mean. Again, we 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 can sit here and point our fingers at Congress and, you know, the Office of the President and the federal government and the IRS and all this stuff, we can wag our fingers at them all day, every day, and they do deserve it to some extent, in my opinion. But at the end of the day, we've, and and even at the news media as well, but we're the ones that really have the ultimate control because we can turn that dadgum television off. Well, that's true, but I think where I think their culpability really lies is mm-hmm. they have enabled the culture to make it to where you have to be a victim in order oh, yes. to aspire to any sense of prominence or to be accepted in certain circles. Because if you do not have some form of victimhood, then you're, according to most of the people on that ilk, irrelevant mm-hmm. and part of the problem. Well, I mean, I would say I would say they didn't. I, I would not even. I would not say that they enabled it. I would say they encouraged it. Now, I okay. will say this: I, you know, you're not going to believe what I'm about to say. I am buckled in, big guy. Go for it. You know, sometimes I say things that may offend somebody. I'm shocked and appalled. And this one time. Mm-hmm. This man, what I know, mm-hmm. we're at a soiree, and I don't even remember why I was there. Mm-hmm. And he works at a corporation in the financial sector. 
and he was talking to me about what they were doing for their employees and all this stuff for and it, it has to do with the trisvastitism and mm-hmm. all of that and you know and that's great i'm all for that but mm-hmm. my thing is this is i am a stockholder of said mm-hmm. corporation mm-hmm. and i asked him and i and at that time the stock was cons- down considerably like 20 some percent mm-hmm. and he seemed to get offended and this guy's a vice president now i mean he's not like Joe Schmo that works at, he's not the teller at the teller window. He's up in the ivory tower. Mm-hmm. And I looked at him and said, you know, as a stockholder, I said, I can appreciate you taking care of the employ the employees. I, you know, I can appreciate that, but what I would be, have more faith in the leadership team. If they care more about what my pocketbook looks like, since you're using my money, Mm-hmm. than what your employees said. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he didn't go out to eat with me no more. He got mad at me. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm so, so terribly upset that his particular knickers got not. But you know what I do? What's that? I wave and give him a nice smile every time we have a shareholders meeting. Well, there you go. Absolutely. And then I call him a, a really bad name I can't say on here behind his back because course i'd tell him to his face if he stick around long enough for me to tell him well no i understand well so and to that point again it, it this this stuff is insidious and it is continuing i mean um you know again i was uh, i was in the military uh at the point when the uh, berlin wall fell so mm-hmm. i was uh I was, mr I gorbachev tear down yes. this wall absolutely um and you know, I remember always wondering, you know, why on earth the citizenry of the Soviet Union, and especially the East Germans, you know, because they really weren't intentionally citizens of the Soviet Union, they kind of had no choice, why they didn't rise up and why they didn't do something about it. But uh, 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 the, the, the point was, you know, again, one of the things that one of the rules of, of that society and one of the rules of the, the Stasi was if you see something, say something. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, um, the reason I bring this up is I recently had, and I've, I've gone, you know, through diversity training, something that you do every couple of years in, in corporate America. And so I've been through multiple different iterations of it. But I just recently completed another iteration and took four bloody hours to go through, four hours of listening to victimhood and which victims were protected and which ones weren't. Mm-hmm. And um, But the thing that struck me was that in every one of them that came up, the comment was made, if you hear from, you know, no, no corroboration, no evidence to support, if you hear the gossip that somebody violated one of these policies, that it is your duty, okay, mm-hmm. it is your duty to report said unsubstantiated rumor 
Hmm. Now, they didn't say that, but it is your duty to report it to HR. So if I heard, now, so since you told me this, and I heard that you have bad thoughts towards this gentleman, I should take that to HR, which is exactly the see, you know, say, see something, say something hey, wait a minute. from the Stasi. Okay, you can. I am HR. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I'll give you the phone number when we get off there, and yeah, you can no, call just, and tell me. <laughs> yep, yeah, so you know, I'll just go ahead and tell you right now. But, uh, you know, I mean, again, this is terrifying. Okay, and again, this is the whole thing. We saw this in the Kavanaugh trial. We saw this in the Thomas. Unsubstantiated allegations that cannot be proven mm-hmm. are used as if they are real. And, of course, it's January well, 6th. And, and that goes, it goes back to the innocent until proven guilty is out the, out window. the window. Now you're guilty yep. and you have to prove your innocence, which is completely asinine and backwards from the way the judicial system is supposed to work only if you're a progressive i mean excuse me only if you are not a progressive only if you are not a progressive actually i'm going to say only if you're not a progressive liberal i i you know the progressive liberals are given a free pass they were Uh a free pass for for burning down churches and burning down police stations and smashing the windows at cnn um they but but and and I I think the conservative Democrats are under the same. Um, they're I think they're under the same crosshairs as the as as all conservatives are, because not all not all Democrats are progressive liberals. Well, and not all okay. Democrats are crazy. Just the right. it, it's the same for both parties. They're not well, all crazy. Well, I, I look at it like this: is the, I think they used to not all be crazy. Well, if you the look way at I look at it, now, it is, though, are. is yeah. there is a large group that's in the center that just is trying to make it through the day, and then right. the crazy and the extremely vocal on the extreme one side and the extremely vocal on the extreme other mm-hmm. drown everybody else out because they have to have their fifteen minutes of fame. When truth be known, don't nobody care who you're sleeping with. Don't nobody care anything. What they need to remember is, you know, it's funny. They pick on the boomers. They pick on Gen Z. They pick on Gen Y. They pick on the millennials. They don't pick on Gen X. We were the last group. We had lead-based paint. We ate glue. We had 500-pound televisions that sat on a dab-blame TV tray. And we are not the ones to be trifled with because we are that petty. I understand. I got you. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, I'm on the cusp. I'm considered, you know, by some some counts, I'm considered a boomer, and by some counts, I'm considered an Xer. You're an Xer. But, we uh, claimed you. Now that's you know, I'm I mean, speaking I, I for am, the whole group. Yeah, you're an Xer. I, I, I claim. I'm I'm significantly ornery, but again, the boomers were an ornery crowd as well. But they're aging out. Well, you know, well, again. Well, it's not aging out. It's called death. It it comes yep. for us all. Well, that was that was what I meant. <laughs> I was being polite. It was colorful the way I put it. <laughs> so, all right. But uh, next topic we're gonna touch on today. All this right. This week we had a sad note. Which one? We lost Tina Turner this week. Yep. You are, that's what I was thinking you might be bringing up. And, and I will say this, mm-hmm. 
Tina Turner um, was probably one of the best entertainers I think that mm-hmm. there ever was. She, oh, I agree. I was fortunate enough to see her in concert. Mm-hmm. She was absolutely fabulous. Mm-hmm. Loved every minute of it. She was a class act all the way. Yep. But one interesting thing about that is I did not know that she did not live in the United States. I did not know that either. She did not live in the United States. She lived in Zurich. Wow. Well, good for her. Evidently, uh, she had moved to the UK at some point. Mm-hmm. She ended up falling in love with a guy. Uh, he was living in Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, she moved to Germany and in with him. And then mm-hmm. um, I'm assuming they either stayed together or got married. Or, you know. And, of course, I don't, I'm not she might not have got married because that probably would have made big news. But, uh, anyway, she this guy got a uh, promotion and got moved. And she moved to with, I guess, to Switzerland. And yeah. well, she ended up, she said she also, in the interview that I was watching when they were talking about it, of course, obviously before her death, she mm. was talking about how that she had uh, recently bought a little place in the south of France that she was fixing up, but she didn't get down there as often mm. as she would like and stuff. So, but, uh, it, it, you know, it's just kind of sad where all the people that defined my, my youth and many and the generation before ours youth, mm-hmm. we're losing them slowly but surely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, it's not all that slowly anymore. You know, I mean, and it's uh, it's a sad thing. I mean, we have we have lost a lot of really iconic people, and they really have not been replaced. And and a lot of that is because of the tyrannical rule of these mega corporations. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, the whole thing about uh, you know. So Disney, this was several years back, um, they were getting ready to lose the copyrights on Mickey Mouse. Right. And so they had the copyright law changed, copyright laws changed that pushed that out so that they wouldn't lose their control over that that particular uh, rodent. Now, the intriguing thing is that Mortimer Mouse, as I understand, was actually pretty much a completely plagiarized character (laughs) Mm -hmm. to begin with but again so the artists and i'm not bashing the artists in this but the artists these days they're really their hands and feet are are significantly tied because of these copyright laws and again we're we we are a far too litigious a a society Mm -hmm. to begin with you know, again, what was it? Who was it recently that um, they uh, had to go to court because the tune that they used sounded too much like somebody else's tune? Okay, now while I can understand that there is a point where you got some royalties, there's only eight notes in the scale, and right. there is a limited. There is not an end. You know, there's always there a number of ways you can well, arrange. Well, and most yeah. pop songs have the same four chords. Right. Exactly. I mean, there's enough mashups that you can hear that it's the mm-hmm. same four chords over and over again to create a pop hit. Well, that's what Dire Straits told us: is there's Guitar George, he knows all the chords, you know. <laughs> but uh, and I mean, that's the thing. And again, this is that that's the point when you 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 got to hit that sweet spot between anarchy and tyranny, and we're way too we're way too far down the road towards tyranny. 
And, you know, I mean, it's one of these, uh, you know, it, it, it's astounding. I mean, then again, this is one of those, the home title theft is the thing that just absolutely burns my biscuits every time I think about it. Because that, it's not my responsibility as an individual to keep up with my title. That's the government's responsibility because they're the ones that require me to have it. I can manage my property because I will shoot somebody if they come on my property right. and, and, and are trespassing and you know with malicious intent. That was a little violent. I'm you know you well. I mean, but it's the truth. I mean, it's the truth. But as far as the legal documentation and ownership of my property, that's not my job. That's what I'm paying taxes for is for these people to manage that. Mm -hmm. So why in the world should I have to go out and pay for title lock insurance because the dadgum government can't manage their own records? Okay, and it's the same as LifeLock and all of that other stuff. That's the That's what we're paying for is the protection. That's what the government's supposed to be there to do is to keep people with bad intent from messing with those of us that don't have bad intent because those of us that don't have bad intent we're trying to provide to society and you know and and make things better for well it, it, at the very least for ourselves if not for everybody else you know what i mean right i agree so well we're gonna that's that, that's in the note that's in the show today on this note since with tina turner i'm gonna you know, I'm big about quotes and stuff like that, and I think one of the things, one of the quotations that you could look at that's pretty much sums up how what a wonderful, strong woman she was, mm -hmm. was uh, when she said this, people think my life has been tough, but I think it has been a wonderful journey. The older you get, the more you realize it's not what happens, but how you deal with it. Very true. A very astute woman. And she did go through quite a lot. She did. Mm -hmm. And that is the snout to the curly tail and everything in between. And we're going back to printing milk. And we don't. <laughs> Have a good evening, sir. You've been listening to the Carolina Underground. Our passion is to talk about technology, history, media, politics, and how it's all changed over the years and affects our daily life as Gen Xers. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on Twitter at CarolinaUNDGRND. Hit the website at www.thecarolinaunderground.com. And if you've got questions or comments, send an email to info at thecarolinaunderground.com. Stay Gen X strong. See you next time on the Carolina Underground.